Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ed. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com. On Twitter at Gleeful Podcast, I'm at Josh Burnell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Joshua. This is one of my favorite songs. I love the Cardigans so much. I have all their <laughs> albums. I know I'm the only one, <laughs> but I adore them. Every song, every album has a good song. Everdale has Carnival. This one, I mean, there's so many good songs on this album. My new cuckoo is a great. The next one has a race and rewind, my favorite game. Oh, you're the storm on Long Gone Before Daylight, which is awesome. Oh, so good. Love the cards. <laughs> Any time of the day. Love the cards. I did not know this about you. You, you knew this, right? I knew you liked the cardigans. Nina I mean, I like and the Peter cardigans. and Magnus. Oh, the cardigans. So I, I used to have a, uh, I used to have a fish named Nina. After Aww. Nina Person from, I always said it was named after Nina Simone. Uh, well, it was named after it was named after Nina Person, but then I thought, like, you know, people will be much more impressed if I say it's named after Nina Simone. So I named my, so I told people that. And then, <laughs> oh, and then you had one named after. Well, then that fish died, and I got another one, and I named Simone. So then I could be Nina Simone. <laughs> oh, and I thought that was named after. Um, somebody else but then <laughs> but then you had Hedvig oh I did have a fish named Hedvig didn't I yeah that's true I went through a lot of fish yeah I don't do fish anymore uh, and I've had the same fish for almost three years now that's true Miss Bliss Miss Bliss is Miss Bliss has been alive forever thriving because uh, there's a bed involved Ed how are you how, how are things <laughs> in Indiana uh things are good I went out and I got a second job which is super exciting is it super exciting that must be very time consuming well you know I'm pretty much doing nothing on Saturdays and Sundays so I figured might as well might as well there right? you go wow. okay you should talk to my yeah. brother um <sighs> that's not I wasn't doing nothing all the time. <laughs> Just I was going to say, Ed, you're never doing nothing. That's true. You are like a ball of perpetual motion from what I can tell. Well, there just, I didn't, like, I hate, I, I would hate to become one of the people that I complain about. I, I feel like if you're not doing something to solve your problems, then you don't have any right to complain. And, I agree. And so, so instead of complaining about my student loans, I have decided to do something about it. Well, good for you. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Lols. Uh, well, um, so we have Life. lots. We have what? Some viewers in the chat room right now, which is fantastic. We want to say hello to all of them. Listener Rachel, uh, Greg, and Alexis, and Brandy, and KQ, and Daryl, and uh, I'm missing one. Jennifer. Jennifer. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. And Can't uh, forget that name. Yes. How do I miss that one? Um, yes, most people only know the cardigans from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which is fine. Oh, wow. That's where most people know the cardigans from, and because that video was amazing. Uh, but no, it goes, man, super extra gravity, right to the end. Every album is so good. Fun, fun fact, <laughs> fun fact. Uh, cardigans is a better choice for 80s week than Foreigner. Fun fact. Cardigans uh, are not an 80s, 90s band, 90s, but yeah. there you go. That's yeah. not no, they, awkward no, they, at all. No, they, no they, there's no way they did not do that. Uh, one of those songs was the 80s, right? They, they must have one yet. No, they're like, I'm they're gro- my I'm age. Googling this. I was like 90s, 2000s. <laughs> no, I swear not even close. Someone, someone used this for 80s week. I well, they were incorrect. <laughs> they might wow. have used it for 90s week. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. They really had nothing in the 80s. 
Dude, no. well, they released Life in like 94, so no, this you're, song you're, would have come out right, in 96 you're right. or 97. Then now, now I need to look up what happened on X Factor New Zealand for them to do Cardians. Was it movie themes? <laughs> it could have been movie themes. Oh, it could have been Swedish bands. The Cardigans and Ava, you know? I was just thinking... I was like, <laughs> Name you know, a third. I, I was thinking about my distaste for... Um, I can't. I want to know what love is. Yeah, I, you were just trying die. to get into Foreigner. You just wanted to to take the conversation towards your hatred for Foreigner. You know, yeah, I know. Don't take away my high school dances. You know, <laughs> that was that was important to me. <laughs> now I have to like go through and see what song Jackie Thomas sang every week because I know she did that song and everyone was like, "Oh, Jackie," uh, but. She, Okay, she did that for that. Listener Tiffany just joined (laughs) us in the chat room, uh, whom I know you know. Oh, it was songs songs from movies. You are correct. Ed, uh, (laughs) so have you seen the trailer for MTV's Faking It? Uh, No, I don't know. The plot plot of Faking It is two high school best friends, two girls that are high school best friends, uh, through a apparently twist or confusion. uh, Everyone thinks they're lesbians and they immediately become wildly popular. Because they think that they're lesbians, which makes them cooler. And uh, so they just roll with it. Uh, I immediately picked it off from the photograph. Jennifer didn't. Uh, one of the girls is Katie Stevens from like season nine. The Casey oh, James, I Crystal Bowersock season. Katie Stevens is going to be on an MTV show. I did. I, I read that in a blurb on NJ's big blog. And I was thinking, oh, Katie Stevens from from that season that not that must not be named. Like, oh, good for her. <laughs> yeah, the lead Dead Eyes season. Wow, that's, that's I I I like actively blocked that out because <laughs> apparently I needed to remember more important stuff like oh, everything. Car- cardigans I mean, performed in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a better fact. I a mean, little too uh, easy, Ed. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I love that. It's a better fact. I. I don't know. Like, if you're not talking about Crystal Bowersox, you're, like, practically not even talking about season nine. And I'm not even saying she was that great. She was just the standout of season nine. I, I bought Siobhan's record. Remember Siobhan? Oh, yeah. Siobhan. I, uh, Siobhan, I mean, I liked her. When she went on tour with Hanson, I thought that was cute. <laughs> she put out a couple. Well, I don't want to speak ill of someone who's just trying to make it, but uh, no, no, I'm sure she's doing what know. she can. Good she's for her. Doing, she's, she's from, like, I Maine. appreciate anyone yeah. who tries. I, I always, you know, there were times as we were covering that season, I remember being, you know, more frustrated than I should have been. But I remember the week that we all knew she was going to go home. And I said, you know what? The worst part is the show is going to be so boring now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can, you know, we can pick, poke fun of her quirkiness. But I actually enjoyed her quirkiness. I mean, almost when all was said and done, I like her kind of, you know, free spirit and... She really had a decent you voice. You should really speak in the past tense, though, because this was like seven years ago. Oh. <laughs> no, it was not seven years. This is only season nine. What Calm season down. is What season four, is Idol now? Is it is it four? It's four, 14? No, okay. five. All right, five years. All right, I'll take uh, it. Yeah, four, 14, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, it's still longer No, 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 it's, no, it's, no, it's season 13. It's only season 13. I was like, I was trying to remember, no, Cancel Ever won season 12. So this is season 13. So uh, okay. to the listener, to new this listeners. This season is kind of frustrating, <laughs> BT Dubs. To new listeners or listeners that are new to us, um, the, Jennifer and I, before we did the Gleeful podcast, we used to host, or we used to do another podcast called The Idol Review, where we talked about American Idol, and we did that for, I think, seven years of American Idol. Oh, God. And we then, did it from... Because um, we I, ended did, in season Did you start with Jordan 10. Sparks, or did you start with Taylor Hicks? We 
We started with Taylor Hicks. Started with Taylor Hicks. Yeah, but the and first it, season it, we watched with, together. Yes, we, the first season we watched was Carrie Underwood, and then we started podcasting yeah. with Taylor Hicks. With Taylor Hicks, and then you, but you ended with uh, Scotty McCreary, correct? Yes, we stopped with, we ended with Scotty McCreary. Did we do that one? Yeah. McCreary, which is season 10. We did that one? Yes, we did that one, yeah. And then, yeah, Ed, you, you, you did an Idol podcast, 11. too. I did have an Idol podcast, but it lasted even less than theirs. <laughs> I, I did... I did season six, seven, and eight, and then season nine happened, and then the final sixteen to final twelve eliminations happened, and I was like, I- "I'm done. I'm done with you, America." Yeah, <laughs> and, then- and you were also—I mean, but you—and you recorded it yourself. So, like, if I didn't have a partner <laughs> pushing me, or well, you know, I did. I making was me crazy. Do this? I wonder. Yeah. I, I feel bad for anyone who like just listened to just Ed shows all the time because I don't know. <laughs> like, not, not to say that everyone doesn't love Ed because obviously everyone everybody does. loves Ed. Everyone loves it. Wait, but, Ed, but, but you need someone to go off of. Ed, who won after Scotty McCreary? Uh, Phil Phillips. Phillips. Oh, okay, yeah, we didn't. Do I that. actually knew that because <laughs> I because I have well, not seen an episode of American Idol since we stopped doing the podcast. I've I have not well, seen a single one. You missed season eleven was a solid season, very solid, a very solid top seven. Honestly, another WGWG uh, one though. That was the thing. All right, yeah, we should. That, we, that, we should well, talk about Glee. season twelve was had had How a decent top minutes. five, and season thirteen. Well, we are in the top five now, and I can't even say that. So, so, so Glee. So Glee. Welcome to that was our tenant. <laughs> half minute idol break at the top of the episode <laughs> glee uh this we are back this Yikes. week to discuss the latest episode of glee entitled opening night uh opening night which uh is about glee's opening night it's the night that uh, rachel finally makes her big opening upon where was where Broadway. were their fathers like this is kind <gasps> that's what josh said like i made that comment as well it was yeah. a little weird that her fathers were there at least i'm not wildly surprised because you know they both have other jobs um well, i mean like, could they mentioned they could, like, they, 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 they could have been mentioned. They mentioned Emma. Emma, like they talked to her off screen. They could have been like, they could have been like, your dad sent this. They could at least send her flowers. Yeah. Well, and then it was a little weird that like Artie wasn't there. Like Kevin's been in every episode since we moved. He can make potluck dinner, not but not her opening night. Yeah, it was kind of weird that he had missed it. Um, He's in yes. Florida. So we made opening night, and uh, we'll go around the group as we always do. Jennifer. What did you think of opening night? I actually really enjoyed this episode. There was something about it that just kind of reminded me of the first season. And um, I enjoyed all the music. Most of the music. And yeah, I mean, nothing, no no storylines were advanced. But there was just something kind of fun about this. And I didn't, you know, I, I... It wasn't as easy for me to poke holes in all of the absurd stuff that we're typically you know er, that is typically coming to mind but i i i really enjoyed it ed uh the what did you think of this episode a minus it was pretty fantastic that's overall yeah i'm 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 hoping like i'm sad because the ratings aren't because i was like looking at the wikipedia page and we're like we're like looking at 2.45 million i'm like oh that's kind of bad but (laughs) at least like josh said about smash season two when people go back to watch the last half of season five of Glee, they'll be like, "Oh, this did, <laughs> this did well at the end." Like when 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 the Netflixers get to it in about five years. So, wow. Uh, well, like, I I am gonna say this was an A episode with 
A minus music, and so I'm going to go ahead and give it an A minus. Not because of Loveful, because that song's fantastic, but uh, a couple <laughs> of the other songs I thought were really lame. But um, but no, this was a, a t- story wise an A episode, and music wise an A minus. So it gets an A minus. I really dug this one. I thought it was fantastic. It was written by Michael Hitchcock, directed by Eric Stoltz. I thought they both did a fantastic job on this one. Um, I just I thought this one just worked top to bottom. It moved. Like, we watched it again tonight and enjoyed the crap out of it a second time. Like, I totally dug this one. It almost almost felt like Glee the movie. It was, totally, exactly. It didn't feel like a comma, but it didn't feel like a filler episode, but it also didn't feel like we were just furthering the plot for the sake of furthering the Mm -hmm. plot. Like, stuff happened, and it was encapsulated, but at the same time, it was a culmination. Like, it was a really good... had the hour and a half episodes gone over somewhat successfully in the past, oh, this yeah. would have been an hour and a half episode. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting that it essentially took place in less than 48 hours. But it didn't, like you, yeah, like you said, it didn't feel like a filler episode. It didn't feel like they were just killing time. It was just, just really solid. Yeah. I enjoyed this one a lot, and I'm glad you guys did too. Let's take a listen. Uh, oh, yeah, let's take a listen to... Uh, I'm the Greatest Star. This is from Funny Girl, and it was performed by Leah Michelle on the show. We'll come back and talk a little bit about uh, Rachel Berry's big pre- premiere on Broadway. Here is I'm the Greatest Star on the Gleeful Podcast. I got such a gift. Well, I'm miffed because I'm the greatest star. I am by far. But no one knows it Wait, they're gonna hear a voice A silver flute They'll cheer each toot Hey, that kid is terrific Mm, When I expose it Now can't you see the look at me That I'm a natural Camille As Camille I just feel I've so much to offer Listen, kid, I know I'd be divine because I'm a natural coffer. <laughs> Some ain't got it, not a lump. I'm a great big lump of talent. Laugh. <laughs> They'll bend in half. Did you ever hear the story about the traveling salesman? So that was Funny Girl. And we did get more of a funny girl in this episode than we've ever seen before. Uh, I'm realizing it's one of the musicals I'm not wildly familiar about. I watched it once uh, because I auditioned for it, don't ask. Um, but uh, it's I'm not wildly familiar with it. Jennifer, do you know Funny Girl that well? I don't. And it's funny because I don't think I've actually seen the end of it. I feel like I've seen yeah, I don't think the I beginning and the middle a hundred times over. And my mom had the soundtrack. I mean, that was a thing. Like, growing up, my mom had albums. She loved music, loved Broadway, and she would just play this all the time. But I think I just didn't, I never, so when she sings that final song, I don't think I'd ever heard yeah, that Yeah, I don't before. think I made it that far into the movie. <laughs> and, and, and I remember also, this is horrible, but I was just like, I, just, I, I didn't understand the appeal as a young person. Of Omar Sharif, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not buying this love story. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounds horrible, but I get it now as a as a grown up. Ed, have you ever seen Funny Girl before? 
Uh, no. Do you know anything about it? I assumed it was about a funny girl, but apparently it's not. <laughs> it's not. You know, I would say <laughs> if there's funny. if there's any quibble, and it's not really about this episode as much as it is kind of about this entire funny girl plotline, they've never really told us what this play is about. And so when she shows up in the blue sailor's uniform... Uh, I'm. I was. I mean, I. I expected that because I know that's what Barbara Streisand always wore in the seventies. But I'm kind of curious. Well, what? Like, I would still like to know oh, I thought, what funny girls. I thought she was about. auditioning for anything goes on the side. <laughs> I know. Okay, I know a little bit about it, and I'm actually kind of like looking over the chat room because I have a feeling Rachel could give us quite a bit of information on this. As far as I know, she's playing Fanny Bryce, who is an actual actress who was not conventionally attractive. And but extremely talented. So the only way that she could perform again, this is my understanding, or at least, you know, the the gist of it that I got Mm -hmm. is that because she didn't look like, you know, a movie starlet Mm -hmm. or a Broadway starlet, she had to then go for like the shtick, you know, as opposed to just she had to be funny. She had to be funny. She had to be quirky, kind of goofy slapsticky but she, uh, apparently she did have an amazing voice in in real life and that's my understanding of who fanny bryce was okay well uh well we did get opening night and rachel I'd... just say yes or no if i got it there you go. um <laughs> she's our broadway go-to i and and i really liked like we kind of kicked off with rachel being very nervous and it, and it was kind of a chink in her armor like the reviews the comments um it was cool it, I, I thought it was neat that it was kind of you know a little bit of reality in rachel and it, i felt the whole thing was just fun the the whole opening leading up to opening night i felt was very fun and then really culminating in that great santana moment it was so cheesy and i totally saw it coming but it was the right kind of cheesy and it was the right character to do it and i really like the whole sequence to me was just really well done also having tina being the worst support network in the oh world my God. that was fantastic all, all i know is i'm really sad that tina isn't a new york regular now yeah. but maybe because she was just brown's not that I far i mean we're talking you know providence is well probably only about a three and a half hour bus ride <laughs> to new york so i i i don't i think it's a matter of time i think and it's kind of funny because she has been she's gotten a lot more screen time this season and her her storylines though have been like really annoying and in this case the annoying worked so that's well. True. Yeah, that's true. And everybody was kind of calling her in a crap. And it was, you know, just like, oh, let me guess. He's gay. You know, <laughs> that like, was a great recurring joke. That she and, and then she said, no, 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 no. no. Well, yeah. yes. Uh, and Jennifer, what did you think of Rachel's opening night? I thought it was wonderful. I, I really did. I mean, I. it's obvious like this is something that she's been, you know, prepping for her entire life and uh i thought it was i thought it was really great and it and it felt real i mean the the whole nerves thing and you know getting a handle on the the criticism and i can't even imagine i mean i get so frustrated when i read something that i enjoy and then i read people's comments and it's just like i just hate the world afterwards and i i don't want to like go outside anymore so if it were directed at me i can't even imagine how that would feel so addressing how that sort of omnipresent 
um, exposure to people's negativity can can affect you. But yeah, the fact definitely. that she came in, I thought was great, and I really, um, yeah. Even even the thing with Santana, I mean, like that was pretty spot on. It was cool. I'm I'm, sh- I'm shocked. Okay, when I saw that scene, I was like, Josh is going to hate Santana because he does because that's what he does lately, and he's oh, gonna I always hate have. The- it's not new. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. And I I was like, he's gonna hate that this is like this situation is built in a way to make Santana look like the nice person by being mean. Like <laughs> I thought that's what I expected you to say, but then you didn't. So well, so no. I, I mean, guess- Santana's still horrible. Like she's still a horrible person. But in this particular n- moment, I thought she was truly sweet, and she serves a very specific purpose in Rachel's life. Whereas Santana's really the only other person in Rachel's life that is going to step over all of her, all anybody that stands in her way. And they have that in common. And so in a way, Santana was the only one who could really bring Rachel out of it because everyone else on the show is going to love Rachel, whether she, she succeeds or not. And to have somebody like Kurt come in and say, Hey, you're great. I think you great. You're great. And in the moment where Rachel's that low, she's like, well, yeah, I know that. Like, yeah, you're I, my best friend. I don't or... need you to think I'm great. That doesn't make me feel any better. Whereas no. Santana doesn't come in to tell her she's great. Santana just comes in and says, you suck at a lot of stuff, but you don't suck at this. So get off your ass and let's go put on a show. Like it's exactly the right person in that instance. Yeah. And especially their, you know, their history over the season. So yeah, yeah. it just, it just all worked together. It didn't feel, you know, overly built up. It just kind of happened. And I think that was the other thing too. There wasn't a lot of setup to this. It was just everything in the moment. Yeah. And that, that sort of intensity and urgency of it all was refreshing. <laughs> it was funny that Santana showed up without Brittany. Like apparently she left her in Lisbos or going to Hawaii. I blocked. No, oh, they but... ended up going to Hawaii. That's right. <laughs> yeah, after Lesbos they go to Hawaii. But I mean, it, I don't know. Well, obviously Santana is more important to Rachel's life than her dad's. Apparently. Apparently, yeah, that's a I very mean, good point. I mean, the 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 facts are there, so. And honestly, I was even a little surprised that even, you know, Carol and Bert weren't there. Yeah. It, I mean, all everybody, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 in a, in real life, you know, I suppose a lot more people would be there or at least coming in the, in the ensuing. Yeah. Maybe days. not. Maybe not opening night. Maybe that would be too much. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It is pretty like, interesting. Would, would you be. OK. So as people who have performed on stage live, would you be more freaked out if everybody you knew was in the audience the first night or well, would it, would but then what if there wasn't a second night and what if this is the only play that complete failure at everything what, what if, 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 what if it was, was carrie the musical in her life <laughs> <laughs> you're you have a good point ed i'm and i'm not the right person to ask because right. i specifically didn't tell anyone what i was thinking well and the other thing is like well what if madame Thibodeau was right and, there you go. You hey, know? that would have been an interesting opening <laughs> night conversation. I know. I was. I was like. I was. So, I was. Oh, darn it. I wasn't sure. I don't know if I was rooting for the failure, 
but I'm concerned as to where Rachel's going from here and, without, and, without the failure in, in all honesty. That's a very good point. And that's, that's what I was going to kind of bring up next. If I had any complaint about this is that it did go too perfectly. Admittedly, she did seem to struggle in the first half of the show. And then her producer came back and gave the worst pep oh talk God. ever. I know. I was like, <laughs> like even I was thinking that like, even if this is true, you do not tell her yeah. now. Yeah, if you don't nail it, we're closing for good. Yeah, so yeah. go out there and, uh, you know, no pressure. Yeah, seriously. That was that was horrible. And then, okay, so before, you know, Curtin opens the first, she has to leave her dressing room and walk down, like, what, 20 flights of stairs? <laughs> the whole time, you know, there's this antsy girl behind her with this big headdress and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god she's gonna fall she's gonna fall like that was my whole panic it's like that was the longest <laughs> you know descending stairs scene that I've ever seen it and it made me so effect. anxious it's true yeah. but so for me if I had any complaint well I had a couple little quibbles with this episode but if I one of the things that did strike me is it was almost too perfect like she had her opening night she did so well she got that incredible review when she's talking to Mr. Schuster on the phone and he says I think for the first time in my life I'm just perfectly happy and she said I agree and I'm like well of course you perfectly come on now well, I'm like, there should have been a little, re- a, a little absence in her life. Like, I, well, I think she kind of resolved that on yeah. stage, though. But I, I mean, so to you okay, guys, like, point. was it too perfect? <laughs> like, Jennifer, did well, you feel the like- reason it's too perfect is because where does where do the, where do you go from here? Yeah, and we still have a season and three episodes of this show to get through, so she has to deal with something. Yeah, yeah. I mean. But I didn't want her to bomb on opening night, you know? I, I didn't want anything disastrous to happen. Yeah, we want to see her rise before she falls. Because the thing is, okay, is prob- possibly as far-fetched as it was that she would get, you know, the lead as a 19-year-old, you know, one and a half years out of high school on Broadway. But as is, is maybe implausible as that is, I, I would hate to see – she has been working – she yeah. has been working really, really hard, and I would just hate to see, you know, something disastrous happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, like maybe the next time's not as easy, or, or maybe, you know, next year when she wants to go for a, a thing, somebody else graduates from Lima and gets the the role from under her. I don't know. Maybe Marley. <laughs> Marley. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Marley's gonna move to New York. Oh, it's Marley's going to be all about please, Eve. Please, please tell me in season seven if the show by some ridiculous miracle still exists by of, of epic proportion that Marley <laughs> just steals every role from Rachel, every single one. And and they actually are doing all about Eve, and oh God. it is an just, all about Eve moment. That would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, That's pretty funny. I don't know if I could do seven seasons. So eventually, Rachel, she does get the worst pep talk in the world. And then she comes out to do her final song of the night, Who Are yes. You Now? And we get a kind of a, a Finn moment where she kind of is singing to Finn. She'd seen it earlier in the episode where she said, I always think about him and it's hard for me to get through the song. But she really seems to funnel that into the final moment. You know, the one one of the things that really struck me about this episode, and I think listener um, in the chat room, listener Greg, I think even brought this up. This was 
in earlier seasons of the show, the structure of a competition episode. This episode really had the structure of a sectionals or a nationals episode. And in a way, I really feel like this functioned how a sectionals or a national episode would function within the concept of the show, you know, a big struggle and a big overcoming. And the problems we always had with those episodes i've said it again i've said it before and i'll say it again the problems we always had is they didn't tell us why they won or lost they would just tell us that they won or lost and then the three of us would be on a podcast debating well i really think that the trouble tones would have won that one and there's well, they, re- the show probably didn't, they would have and the show wouldn't justify it either way i as much as i'm well, we'll talk a little bit about Finn in a minute, but I felt that was a really beautiful way having her have that Finn moment, seeing him in the hallway like she did. There was a really beautiful way for the show to say, this is why she's going to get a huge review at the end of this episode. This is why she is a star and it's justifying in a way. It's kind of telling us the, that she's willing, that she's able to bring back this moment and willing to bring back this painful moment is what is going to make this this successful from a narrative standpoint i thought it was really beautifully done um did you guys have any thoughts about the finn flashback in that moment yeah i mean i i know you know um i know i know last year you were certain that they would never bring him up again. i thought they'd never mention him again and i and i i always felt they would and and i do appreciate that you know, I, I think I mentioned this last time. He he came up when they were going to um, nationals, mm. and you know, when when somebody passes, there's always those firsts. You know, it's the first year that you're going to have Christmas or Thanksgiving or Mother's Day or Father's Day or you know, birthday or Easter. Like there there are these first celebrations that you know in that year after somebody passing always hits you hard. Mm. You know, and in maybe. You know, you're okay for weeks or months, but then that first happens and it just kind of unnerves you a little bit. And 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 I feel like they've done that really effectively because seriously, every time they show him and like that scene, that kind of that that, that like long sweeping scene mm-hmm. and he's just standing there and then he like he, he's slowly smiling and gets brighter. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting like choked up again. It's just it's done in. A really beautiful way I feel that's not it, it, it's not sensationalizing it's it, it's not being opportunistic about you know the emotion some people might have for him I, I mean I think it's just really sweet I think it's on the border of being too much like we've now done it I think four times this season where we've had one of these kind of thin reflections that said and one of the things that struck me watching the show is that, or this particular episode, we're not only watching characters say goodbye to a character. We're not only watching Rachel say goodbye to Finn. We're watching a cast and crew and writers and producers and directors say goodbye to someone that they cared very much about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the other reasons why, like in this particular episode, you're right. It isn't so much that Finn is gone. It's that this is, these are places where he should have been. And it would almost, I I don't know. It's like the, 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 the the cynic in me, like the guy who watches too much television is kind of watching this going, okay, we might be going to the well a little bit too much. The human being in me is going, these are, you know, for, for three years, 
Michael Hitchcock now has been on the writing staff talking about this scene. They've been planning this moment and now he's not there. So not only is it characters missing him, but it is a cast and crew who saw him every day for years that are genuinely missing him. So in a way, I thought, you know, it's kind of like, like I had said to you when we were watching this episode, in a way, we're kind of watching a family, the cast, the crew, the producers, the writers, everyone on Glee, we're kind of watching a family say goodbye to Corey Monteith, as well as watching characters say goodbye to Finn. So in that way, I thought it was, and looking at it from that perspective, I thought it was a really beautiful moment. If I think in 10 years watching this show without that context, I think people might watch it and be like, ah, they kind of keep going to the well on this particular plot line. And I don't, I, 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 I don't believe they would do that to the character or the actor. I mean, it's just, again, like I feel like this is exactly those moments that this would hit you. It is the correct times. That, yeah. yeah, they're not really exploiting it. It really yeah. is when they, you would I'd, be thinking of those things. It's very true. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we're, well, they'll wrap before the, the one-year anniversary, so I don't know mm. if that'll be yeah. addressed, but. Ed, thoughts before we leave, I, uh, Rachel? I mean, I think I think that was definitely a strong point. And I want, I want to say that this season, they've done a so, such a good job post-New York with, maybe it's because they don't know what to do, so they don't know how to even mess it up. I think that's part of the reason <laughs> is that they're just that they're they're literally looking at the characters and coming up with really good character motivated storylines for every like for every single person like I just, it feels so great like the Klein drama the Mercedes Sam Sadie stuff like it's all it's also like it's also real and true to who those characters are and where those characters were beforehand. So yeah. they've been, yeah. they've, I, and I feel like this is just simply a byproduct of they don't know what the f to do. So they're like, well, let's <laughs> let's just let's just do what what makes sense. I mean, in a way, you're right. It's kind of since they since Corey died, and now we're in New York. In a way, they've thrown out the rule book and kind of had to start over. Uh, but moving 100% to New York has allowed them to do that. And in so doing, it does feel like it's a more po- focused show. I mean, it's very love cohesive. or hate the episodes, like, it's much more cohesive and it's much more, it's just much, it's just tighter. You know, it feels if, if, if the ratings purposeful. do pick up and the, the quality is this good, I would be very happy with a season seven. Mm-hmm. I don't think that at least one of those is, is going to happen. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but it's just, you know, they, they now have an opportunity to have new experiences and new issues and new challenges. It's not just a rehash of, okay, sectionals, okay, nationals, yeah. okay, Well, and from a character standpoint, it's not a rehash of, okay, well, now we've got a bunch of 16-year-olds, so let's do the drinking episode, and then we'll yeah, do the, sex, the episode. sex episode. We'll do the texting and driving. <laughs> exactly, just recycling those things. Yeah. Well, well, no, they um, didn't really do texting and driving. They didn't yeah. do texting and driving to punish Quinn, and then... <laughs> For being too deprived of any, deprived of any like satisfaction of that sort. Like, well, oh, you're healed. You're it's, healed. It's because... You don't get to wallow in your pain. <laughs> yeah, and you don't get to bond with Artie anymore, and you just get healed by you know, 
Joe the the Wonder PT. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, let's take a listen to NYC, uh, and we'll check in with our good buddies, Mr. Schuster and Sue Sylvester. Uh, this is NYC, performed by Matthew Morrison and Jane Lynch, here on the Gleeful Podcast. What is it about you? You're big, you're loud, you're tough. NYC. I go years without you, then I can't get enough, enough of cab drivers answering back with language far from pure. Enough of Frankfurters answering back, oh brother, you know you're. Too crazy, too hot, too cold, too late. I'm sold again on NYC. So, uh, you know, there's four listeners that are going to care. But yes, this is from Annie, which Jane Lynch <laughs> was doing on Broadway last year, earlier this year. More. And, uh, you know, yada yada. This was on the. This was one of the reasons I gave the episode an A minus. This is not. I don't like this song. I never liked this song. I don't really care for Annie. Uh, I just. I was kind of listening to this, being like, "This is the best song we could get about New York." Like seriously, <laughs> there are millions of songs written about New York. Pretty much everything Jay Z has ever put on celluloid is about New York City. We couldn't do better. We couldn't find a better song about New York. Sinatra has albums and albums and albums. I don't know. Obviously, they did this because she performed it. But they did it because... But yes, that's why I bring it up because I'm going to get that tweet and I acknowledge they did it because she was in Annie. Um, But yeah, I didn't really care for this song at all. Jennifer, thoughts on NYC? I thought it was fine. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand. I was like, of course, Will has no problem. But this is on their way there. Why is Sue singing about a town that she's already said she hates and never been to? Like, there's... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's still... I mean, it's... That said, again, I just... I I didn't feel the urge to poke holes in, you know, meaning and motivation and all that stuff. So that said, it was kind of, I feel like it did sort of set the tone for Broadway. Like I felt like That's it true. kind of, Give that. you know, gives you that more, you well, know, musical I, I theater. Thought, I thought this scene yeah. was here for when Jane Lynch did All, all We Have, All We Are. Oh, uh, yeah. What are we now? What are, what are we, you now? Who are you, what are who we, are you now? Who are you now? I like when I was like, why? Because I was watching, I was like, what is this purpose of this scene? Like, actually, besides an awkward transition from Ohio to New York. But it was to telegraph a little bit of of the the funny girl sequence with Jane Lynch. At least in in some capacity. To remind us that, oh, yes, Jane Lynch is better than when she did physical. (laughs) At least that's what I thought of. We have seen her perform live, which was nice. Jane Lynch? At the Spinal Tap, un- oh god, unmasked. Before anyone unwigged. really knew, who, when you and I were like, "That's Jane Lynch," and everybody goes, "Who's who? that?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when we was saw it, Spinal Tap, fundraising. That's a true was story. It? When Josh and Jen saw Spinal Tap, <laughs> Spinal Tap unwigged. They did a um, they did this small tour 
Uh, it was a, a, a fundraiser for a particular type of heart disease, and I forget what type. But they came out and they performed, you know, the three main characters performed as the, the, they performed as the Spinal Tap characters. They actually did a little segment where they performed as the, um, you know, a Mighty Wind, you know, characters. And, and she came out and Annette O'Toole. The Folksman, I think they're, no, oh. what are they called? Letter, not the Letterman. No, I don't remember what their band was in the in the Mighty Wind, and yeah. I feel horrible. But it was uh, a, it was anyway. a really fun show. We saw some <laughs> amazing talents, and, and Jane Lynch came out and, and did a bunch of songs from Mighty. And Wind. she's just so like magnificent on stage. She just she really is fantastic. So I really think that okay. the um the, the oh go ahead Ed. I was gonna say a lot of a lot of people have been telling me that I need to watch Party Down. In your opinion, do so I need good. To watch so oh much my god, fun! It's so good. It's fun. Oh my god! It, it's oh. You have to god. watch. Party I mean, Down. I, I, I love Adam Scott, and that's what led to this whole discussion originally at work. But yeah, you gotta watch Party it's Down. It's a fantastic. It's a fantastic cast, and it's just oh. I mean, watching the Veronica Mars movie and watch, re-watching Veronica Mars <laughs> made me want to go back and re-watch Party amazing. Down. Um, so a, a lot of people I know in the chat room right now and then also I saw online, it, if they had a problem with this episode, it was often the Jane Lynch plot line. Uh, Jane Lynch, who hates New York, did a, did a Sue's Corner about how much she hates New York. Turned out she'd never actually been there. Goes to New York, meets Daryl Hammond, and uh, has... Was that right? No, not Daryl Hammond. It's the other guy. I, I know. Uh, him, yeah, I know. Well, now know that you him. said his name, and I can't think of it. Um, uh, meets a guy and ends up having a very pleasant night in New York with this gentleman. Um, I'll admit, this was it. Did feel a little out of left field to have this much Sue Sylvester in a New York episode. That said, to me, it was a really nice Sue Sylvester sequence. I don't know. It was kind of. It was kind of like I, I keep thinking this is probably the last time we're going to see so Sylvester this is probably the last time we're going to see uh, Mr. Schuster as long as especially in season 6 if we go full time New York if we see them it'll just be here and there it'll be like we get updates over the phone or something in a way if this is the last time I see so Sylvester I'm kind of okay with that I thought it was a nice way to send off her character so for me that's how I felt this this is how I or that's how I felt this plot line was, was us saying goodbye to Sue Sylvester. And for me, it was a fitting tribute. Ed, as someone who loves Sue, what did you think? Well, it was, if what felt really good about it is that finally <laughs> the roles, not, not reversed per se. And not like, and Chris like, Barnell, it's been, like, it's like Thank Rachel you, called Sue out on her crap. She's like, you say you push us, but you don't you don't really care to push us that's just what you do yeah like it it isn't like like there's every so often you'll like there'll be an episode of glee where like oh sue isn't so bad and then then (laughs) Sue's terrible again and then sue gets principal fagans fired even though they mentioned that he was still principal i was like "Hmm, yeah i think the kids just referred to him as that yeah Yeah, they just referred to him as principal fagans yeah because when they left he was still principal fagans (laughs) but but they were just there like for the hundredth episode so they know you mean they know And Tina was there the whole season, that whole season that he was. <laughs> so there is no excuse. They'd be knowing. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked it. I mean, 
I don't think we're this is the last time we're going to see Sue and Matthew Morrison because I believe they are still main cast this season. So so they're they're still paying them. I believe so. So they're they're gonna make appearances, but I mean, Alex Newell is still in the credits. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, the, the, everybody that isn't on the show right now are still getting billed. If you if you read the names in the opening, like Alex is still in there. Uh, there was somebody else I saw who was still in there that we have not seen in many episodes. <laughs> what? Um, okay, can you name another TV show that has? literally shocked half of their main cast mid-season and but like because of contractual things like obviously still have to pay them like like mm-hmm. is, there any other is, show, is there any other show that has done this has, is glee a trend center that's interesting i mean i i i can't really think of one off the top of my head even for for ensemble shows this is probably still the biggest yeah. ensemble show i mean ensemble cast yeah. so it's really I, I don't know, I don't know of any equal, you know, just out there to begin with, let alone one that would have done the same thing. So. It's, just, it's, just, it's just a funny situation they're in. I'm like, yeah, like, like I bet, I bet when it's like whenever Unique became, he's like, oh, I'm gonna be a main star in season five. I bet he did not see, <laughs> didn't see this coming. Yeah, he didn't see this coming this way. I know. I feel bad because <laughs> Alex is probably only a, a sophomore, or maybe. A, so Alex didn't graduate this year. No. So he should. Is, he needs to go back to the, the school that he was. He needs to go back to Vocal Adrenaline. They, they <laughs> appreciated you. Well, they especially. they have a, a Glee club still. I mean, as far as we know, <laughs> yeah, there, there is nothing else at Lima. Um, but I. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it was Chris Parnell and yes. uh, listener Greg reminded me in the chat room that he did play Doctor Spachaman in yes. Thirty Rock, which was oh, awesome. God. Um, the best worst doctor ever. <laughs> but sorry, I interrupted you. What were you saying? That's okay. Here? Yeah, I I loved having Sue there. I liked her storyline with Mario. I liked that she kind of had this sort of awakening. And, you know, even when she was still kind of bizarre, she was very open about, you know, the fact that she married herself and didn't work out, that he still found her interesting and charming and wanted to be with her. But I don't understand. It's like, yeah, what you were saying, Ed, she has always, you know, she has always said that I mean to people to challenge them and get the best out of them. And, you know, when she was acting principal for now principal again, we're like, oh, she does all these horrible things. But, you know, it really is for the good of students. In this particular case, she was just horrible. Like there was no... There was no need for her to be that yeah. mean. It was Without, old school Sue, but which was interesting. Even old school Sue would, you know, say, you know, I admire your success. Mm. You know, like, I don't, maybe she'd be like, I don't like you or, or, or something. But, you know, even when Quinn, I think, stood up to her, she's like, she acknowledged that, you know, this person has matured and she... She saw some good. She 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 recognized some growth there. And I'm like, this is just. I, I was waiting for her, like after Rachel gave her rant, for her to say, you know, I I respect you for not needing my approval or something. It just felt a little like I don't get it. But that's the only part. The rest of it I enjoyed. I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed, you know, that she, you know. 
met somebody who's <laughs> as weird as, as she suited was. for her as anybody else could be. I think that was also what was kind of fascinating about it is they managed to write a male character who was really well suited for Sue. Every other time Sue's had a, a, any kind of male interest on the show, to me it felt kind of false and shoehorned together. Mm-hmm. I never really understood her attraction to the guy on the school board. I never really understood... Really? Kind of to, to Benicky, uh, I never exactly. really understood uh, what why she would be into Rod Remington, um, but I really got the connection that she mm-hmm. had with that character, with Chris Parnell's character, and, and that was really that was cool. And it was the first time I think she was really herself. Like there were there was no filter, and there was no hesitation, and just saying all of the weird stuff you know <laughs> i have a child with michael bolton Back yeah which she really specifically makes sure to mention yeah uh, we also got some some mr schuster in that plot line uh and mr schuster who had his child which he named daniel finn so that mm-hmm. was very cute yes, very um sweet. which the only thing i have to say about mr schuster in this episode was how he apparently got to new york uh, Emma went into labor before the show started, and luckily the Glee Club had their transporter, their their Star Trek transporter lying around, so he could make it back. To I, I was thinking like, I mean, I guess people do have can have long labors, but I mean, like the chance of him being able to get to the airport, get on an airplane, <laughs> just showing up at yeah. the airport for, and then make it to the hospital. As the last pushes are happening, this is just like <laughs> this is like a series of events. Yeah. Um, there's a there, there's a stoplight on my way home that switches at midnight from being a yellow flashy one to a green and red one. Weird. And every time it's midnight, every time it's midnight, I'm like, oh, I'm here for the transition. <laughs> <laughs> I, like every time I hit it, I'm like, ah, oh, because you have to like time it so it's like right. A magical moment. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Let's listen to some voicemails. We got a couple people that called in about this particular episode. Uh, here is a new recurring, uh, a, a, a practically a new member of the podcast. This is Sister Sonia. Hi, it is Sonia, and I like this episode. I think the biggest strength it had that it only focused on the one key plot point, and that was Rachel's opening night. It didn't invest a lot of time in a whole bunch of other wiggly little things. Um, and my favorite part was the thing that I was already screaming at my television to do, which was when Santana read the awful reviews of Barbara herself. And uh, unrelated to the episode, I just wanted to do a quick final note on the whole claim thing. My main problem actually is that um, Blaine cheated on Kurt and still blames Kurt for it. And I was in a relationship like that, and I could never wish that relationship on Kurt. Unless they deal with that directly at some point, I will never be okay with claims. But, again, this episode was great. Uh, It was all about Rachel. They didn't confuse it with anything else, just about Rachel, and that was perfect. I also also enjoy the little reference to to Shu being a bit 
sad about his own lost Broadway dreams. That's all. That was a good catch. Yeah, yeah. that that uh, that she left that in there. Uh, that he had that little moment of like, well, I kind of thought this was gonna be me. <laughs> yeah, I knew I was new. Win. Yeah, that's of, a that's uh, a good catch. You. <laughs> that's a very good catch. Here's listener Rachel. Hi, this is Rachel, uh, and I really uh, not sure how I feel about the opening night. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was good to see all the old people come back, uh, but I didn't like how. Uh, I heard Karofsky was going to be in the episode, and I was kind of sad that he just had a slight cameo. Um, but I oh, also right. didn't like how Rachel uh, read the reviews for her play, and I was kind of hoping that they would not be raving, but of course, Rachel's perfect, and of course, the reviews are beautiful. Anyway, um, so the episode was okay for me. Uh, one thing that I... Uh, did like was I liked uh, kind of seeing a different side of Sue. I and it was kind of weird that Sue just randomly picks up this guy and he uh, he just seems to to like her. Um, and they seem to have an instant connection, but uh, I guess that's how it works in Glee World. Anyway, the episode was good. I uh, love the podcast. Keep it up. And uh, Josh, Katy Perry uh, has a new song out called Birthday, and there's no cliches in it. I thought you'd be impressed. I, I don't um, believe But you. she does have the song track for us, which has a gajillion cliches, so I guess she has to make it for it somehow. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> I, I've only listened to Birthday, like, well... Once when I watched the lyric video, which I didn't make the whole way through, and then one time when I was at a uh, a gay bar and it was like ridiculously remixed. I, gay bars stopped remixing things to the point of like in, uncomprehension. Everyone just <laughs> wants to listen to the damn song. I just assumed you played "I Will Survive" over and over and over again. No, you no, they did not, they did not play <laughs> "I Will Survive" once. And okay, fun fact. The, the dance floor was empty until Let It Go came on. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the dance floor was not empty anymore. That's amazing. I love it. Wow. <laughs> I love the it. Record. But, um, so I, I cannot confirm nor deny the, 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 the presence or lack of cliches in that song. I find it hard to believe that... I mean, I don't know. I mean, hearing, what, <laughs> hearing, hearing the way that Selena Gomez covered a similar topic... That was very full of cliches. I, I struggle to believe that. that well, we'll have to I listen don't... to it. I don't want to pass judgment on Rachel's opinion. She, she, I haven't. I cannot I mean, dispute. I'm saying it is impossible, and I do <laughs> love me some dark horse. I was just singing it in the shower today. So I mean, <laughs> that's that's where you would do that. Uh, here is listener Steffi. Jen and Ed, it's longtime listener Steffi. I'm just calling in to share my thoughts on the most recent episode of Glee. So, for the most part, I really liked this episode. As someone who has consistently been watching Glee for the past five years, I really feel like this episode brought everything to full circle for Rachel and Will. Rachel obviously finally getting her chance to be Fanny Bryce, and Will finally having a child. Which, when we think about it, it is sort of bringing his whole story arc from season one with Carrie and the fake baby thing to a close. That's a very good point. Yeah. I know. Did anyone catch when Will told Rachel, I knew we would finally end up here someday, and then corrected <laughs> himself and said, I mean, you? Oops, talk about a Freudian slip there, Will. Besides minor complaints here and there, my one big complaint is that there was too much Sue Sylvester, especially when Rachel and Sue sing, Who Are You Now? It started off really nice with Rachel, and then all of a sudden it changed to Sue. Not to take anything away from Jane Lynch, but I did not wait five years to finally watch Rachel as Fanny Bryce, and then for that to be interrupted by Sue and her random lover in New York City. I am not here for that. 
especially since we flash back to Finn, which I was not expecting, this song should have been focused on just Rachel. Don't worry, Josh, you're not the only official shipper left out there. Overall, like the second part of 100, I would have not been mad if Glee ended with this episode, mostly because our original leads finally got what they've been wanting, and partly because, despite still managing to find some likable qualities in all the other characters, I really don't care what happens to them. Well, that's pretty much my thoughts on the entire episode. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Have a nice night. Bye. Thank you very much, Mr. Yeah. Steffi. Uh, and thank you for all three of our callers and for everybody in the chat room and for that plain drink. Uh, and that's pretty much all I have for the episode. Jennifer, anything else? Um, I guess we missed out. We left out the gay bar. That was kind of a fun scene. That was a fun oh, scene. I hated that song. Yeah, with, with the no, no, no's, I was, I was like, what is the song? I'm like, oh, this is the type of song they would be playing. Oh, I hated that song. <laughs> uh, I caught you bobbing your head. I want to know where these... <laughs> underage clubs are <laughs> because Glee is well, filled with okay. these amazing Techn- underage clubs are, are, I mean is it technically Rachel and Kurt they could be 21 right now because this they're, they're sophomores in college they're 19 no, no, they're, they're, they're maybe they're, 20 I mean they could be they could somebody be. called them 19 I think Sue called them 19 year olds okay, well, well then because know. we know that Sam is 19 so I would say that they're 20 but they're definitely, I mean, everyone was there. Yeah. <laughs> at that, at well, that did you see, did you see alcohol in that scene? I don't remember there specifically being alcohol. I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that it was a drinking bar. I'm saying that it was an all-ages bar. And I want to know where these all-ages bars are because they did not exist when I was 19. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been to... <laughs> I guess like, those bars I, don't I, exist I, at all. But. I've been to concert venues with... I sound, I sound so cultured in this episode. I'm not. I don't really do anything ever in my life, anyways. Um, um, but I, I've been to concerts where it's like they give you like the thing if you're over 21. Yeah, and you get the like, There's a bar, yeah. so it's not. Yeah, I mean, we've been to plenty of places like the Roxy. All often has all ages shows. True, but it's I mean, not so what, a dance what's so different club. about that than this. Well, this is more of a concert venue than a dance club. I think that's the issue. Well, well I've, but... I've been to, I mean, there there are, seen the uh, House of Blues in Orlando, they take people who are under 21. <laughs> I mean, no, this, I sound like I do so many things in my life. I've been watching in the past month and a half, like 50 hours of curling. So I'm not that <laughs> excited. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't hold back. So I good. mean, you, so good. You shouldn't apologize for anything. I, I, just, I, just, I just keep like, oh god. Like, if I listen to me, I'll be like, oh Ed, you do so much. You are so <laughs> special. I'm like, no. I I've, I've been tweeting with one of the main commentators of from curling. You could, oh my god! Check, check my timeline. <laughs> uh, we have uh, a couple of people mentioned in the chat room that we forgot to mention. Karofsky was in the episode. Uh, oh, Karofsky and Israel. Jacob Ben Israel at the very beginning. That was Josh Sussman came back, and that was pretty cool. It was yeah. funny to see them. It, one of the things worth noting in that love fool number is that everyone had their costumes and hair from the first episode, first or from season. very early in the show, particularly. Uh, we also had uh, uh, we also had Tina with not only streaks but the stutter in that. I was expecting sequence. Quinn in this episode at some point, but I guess you know. Well, that she's bad busy. Blood. 
she she's too busy for us uh and that's about it uh if we have nothing else i suppose we will wrap this puppy up uh, if you'd like to weigh in on anything else or anything that we said tonight you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com uh and you can find us on twitter at gleeful podcast i'm with josh Brunell. she's at jenny b creative he's at edward giordano and uh, then, of course, you can find us on the Facebooks. Just search for Gleeful Podcast, where we will talk about the... Or you can talk to the other people. Uh, this We're going to go out with Pump and Blood by No No No, a Swedish dance duo I just looked up on Wikipedia. Uh, I didn't like the song at all. I liked it what? better the second it, time. You'd I like mean, it. it's, it's fun. It's a fun song. It is fun. It's infectious. I, I just thought this was an silly. opportunity for a better moment like it was a it was well, a big there was an opportunity still chasing it's still chasing our their next we are young they're yes still they're still chasing. chasing fun yes of course i don't know could have been a good opportunity for a scissor sister song it would have been a scissor sister oh, song I like or i can't believe i, still I know can't believe they haven't done that song i, I still cannot believe which one? Oh, i don't feel like dancing yeah, yeah that'd be a great okay. one in this moment they should have done Dancing Queen. We need an ABBA episode. Why have we not had an no, ABBA episode? Not, we, we do not. No one wants to see that. Oh, come on. That would have <laughs> been great. Do we do, do, do Mamma Mia? This is when they should have done Let It Go. We all know it's coming. Apparently. When they should have done. I mean, there is. This is its 12th week at number one on the Billboard charts. Seriously. The Frozen soundtrack. So don't, so don't knock it. And you know what I love about Let It Go? Totally random side note. That it's got to be the only giant Disney single. And they used to have these in the 90s. In the 90s, all the Disney singles were giant. But uh, this is the... Makes me cry. This is the first one where it was the original version from the movie and not the pop remix by, like, the Demi like Lovato Demi, version yeah. is the hit. Like, no one remembers. Like, everyone, when you think of Beauty and the Beast, they all think of Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson. Nobody's talking about the Angela Lansbury one. But here we have the Adina Menzel version is the big hit. I think that's kind of neato. If you're going to be well, into that song. Her first her first pop hit. Uh, I was um, just thinking yeah. that. Yeah. I, I personally, I listen to the Africanized version with the like twelve-year-old Mormon girl, but that's just me. It's just me. I, think I actually Alex think I know what you're so talking about. It's awesome. Yeah, it makes me cry. All right, this is Pump of Blood uh, for the Google Podcast with Josh and Ed. I'm Josh. I'm Jen. I'm Ed. Have a nice night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Hey, hi, on the road again. On a highway. You don't want me to stop doing that. That would be-